Welcome to Solutions for Higher Education, a podcast by Scott L. Wyatt, President of Southern Utah University in Cedar City, Utah. To subscribe to this podcast, please visit www.suu.edu forward slash President's Podcast, where you will find both the audio and a written transcript for today's podcast. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to Solutions for Higher Education, a podcast featuring Scott L. Wyatt, the president of Southern Utah University in Cedar City, Utah. I'm your host, Steve Meredith, and I'm joined today in studio, as I always am, by President Wyatt. Scott, it's good to see you again. It's good to see you, Steve. Thank you. So this particular uh, run of podcasts that we've been uh, working on, we decided that our our thesis statement, our topic would be um, innovation in higher education, colon, lessons learned, right? And, uh, and so this is another in that series where we have invited people to come and join us on the podcast to talk about something that SUU has been involved in that, that we consider to be innovative but to talk about it from every aspect. So we've had a little bit of time to develop whatever this program is and, uh, and what have been the, the ups, both unexpected and expected, and what have been the downs, if there have been any. Uh, we, we, uh, we know that innovation has challenges, and we want to look at and, uh, and, and uh, discuss those challenges openly so that we know that we, uh, we, know that we can just get better at what we're doing, and this is part of that um, betterment process. Anyway, this is one of our most unique partnerships that we're gonna be talking about today. Why don't you introduce our guests? Thank you, Steve. We're delighted to have uh, from Traverse City, Michigan, uh, Tawny Hammond. Uh, Tawny is the National Director of Learning Advancement for Best Friends Animal Society. And uh, how's life in Traverse City today? Oh, thanks for welcoming me. Thanks for having me. You know, today is a perfect fall day. It's beautiful. It's about 70 degrees and sunny. And I hope we get a good walk in after work today. But it's gorgeous up here. The leaves are just starting to turn. Oh, that's perfect. In addition to Tani, we have Melinda Thorpe. Melinda is our executive director of community and professional development here at Southern Utah University. So welcome, Melinda. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Um, community and professional development, Melinda, since you've been here, have really taken off. <laughs> well, thank you. You've done a spectacular job. And as we think about professional development and community education, mm-hmm. Um, probably the best, most robust um, program that we have with any industry partner is this SUU, Best Friends Animal Society Partnership. I think you nailed it. This absolutely is um, our most robust, our most demanding, and our most exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Is that fair to say, Tani? (laughs) That's fair to say. I I like that. I hope, I hope we're demanding in the most positive way possible. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's been a delight to work with Best Friends Animal Society, and, and, and I'm really excited to be here today to be able to share more about it. Best Friends Animal Society, Tani, um, why don't you give us just a little bit of an introduction? Some of our listeners know Best Friends well, and some of them don't as well. Yeah, I'd love to. 
Yeah, so Veterans Animal Society is a national organization. We've been around for over 30 years, and we're the only uh, national organization or nonprofit that's focused uh, uh, specifically on ending the killing of pets in our nation's shelters by 2025. We, we set a goal for 2025, and in general, um, our mission at Best Friends is to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. And our vision is a better world through kindness to animals. And we have been at it for a while, really focused on it. But here recently, we've become extremely strategic and focused. Our CEO, Julie Castle, who's an alumna, of course, of Southern Utah University, um, in 2016, put a flag in the sand and said, we will eliminate the killing of pets in shelters by 2025 and so we we're, that's what we're focused on and that's uh the primary focus of all we do well and you're based out of traverse city um the headquarters for best friends animal society right. is right around the corner from us in Kanab. it is and it's a beautiful sanctuary um the founders the, the collection of friends and artists and business folks uh for many years um, became concerned about what they saw happening to homeless pets uh, on the West Coast, where a lot of them live, and decided to do something about it. They first started in Arizona, and then they found the beautiful canyon. They, we call it Angel Canyon there in Kanab, and it's a, it's a pretty big operation. It's a sanctuary, and they started saving pets. And of course, the goal is to get pets adopted, either back to your fam- back to their families if they're safe or new homes, but the sanctuary is a place for, we have horses and pigs and reptiles and birds and dogs and cats and no elephants. Uh, we have rabbits and um, <laughs> nothing exotic. <laughs> I thought I was going to start singing the song, Cats and Rats and Elephants. Um, <laughs> but um, the sanctuary is beautiful. It's the centerpiece of, of our organization and it's in a very spiritual, important place to many people. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the the location um, comparison, President, because really, I believe, and I, and I mentioned this to others, that in Southern Utah, you, you look at who are the vibrant organizations that are active and engaged and innovating, and certainly SUU and Best Friends are among those active organizations, and so it's not a surprise that we came together uh, to me, in a partnership like this, I think we have values, core values that really unite us as organizations. Well, and if if um, if any of our listeners have never been to Best Friends in Kanab, it is a an amazing facility. I every time I'm out there, I'm just blown away with the dedication and the seriousness with which um, Best Friends takes their mission. Mm-hmm and how beautiful uh, everything looks. It's about an hour and a half drive from Cedar City. Well, Tawny and Melinda, why don't you tell us the origin story? <laughs> how this partnership began. <laughs> I, yeah, it's kind of like the, Melinda, I think it's like that old commercial of Reese's Chocolate Cups. <laughs> <laughs> Where they, the collision, who, who, you know, who started what? Um, but why don't you kick it off, Melinda? Okay, so you, you dipped your chocolate in my peanut butter? Is that yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. No, no, <laughs> that one. No, so 
it really goes back to an alumni banquet that we had here on campus, and, and SUU was recognizing Julie Castle, CEO of Best Friends, um, who is an alumna, and um, I happened to be there in the audience. I was at a table at the, ba- at the back of the room. I remember where I was sitting. I remember Julie standing up there and her saying the words, articulating the goal of ending the killing of animals in shelters by the year 2025. And when you hear Julie speak, she's such a captivating speaker and, and person altogether. But that really resonated with me. And I turned to the person sitting next to me and said, I think we can help with that. I think professional development, I'm getting chills retelling the story. I think professional development can play a part in achieve, helping them achieve this goal. And what we didn't know, what, what ended up being serendipitous, I left the banquet um, about two days later. I got a call from the Alumni Association saying that another one of our alumni, uh, Amy Charlton, who was there attending the banquet with Julie Castle from Best Friends, had called campus and was looking for someone to help create an academic partnership um, to work toward this goal of ending the killing of animals in shelters. And I was so excited. I, and, and in fact, Tony, you're right. Who, who dipped whose chocolate and whose peanut butter? Because it happened so quickly, I felt they beat me to the punch. Uh, you know, I was excited to reach out to them and say, I think we can be helpful. And before I knew it, Amy was on the phone with me saying, we want to build a partnership. So in reality, that that is where the partnership began. But I, I think it was just recognizing that we had tools here at the university and there was a mission, an important mission that Best Friends was engaged in and, and there was a recognition that we could work together and, and be helpful. I don't know, Tani, what would you add to the story? Um, well, you and Amy were there. And so you to hear you tell it from your different perspective gives me the chills and it's <laughs> always fun. And I remember when we, we set a meeting up really quickly, didn't we? Yeah, it and, was it was really within two weeks of the alumni banquet we were talking. And so, if we just back up a little bit, when when I got into animal welfare, if, if you'll indulge me just a minute of why this is was so important, when I got into animal welfare, I had spent twenty five years in parks, and I I traveled around the country and I spoke at uh, I presented at conferences for parks and recreation, and aspired to professional excellence in that field. You know, safe playgrounds, safe pools, trails, uh, senior centers, preschools, ball fields, natatoriums, fitness facilities, golf courses, historic sites. And by and large, success does not vary from one community to the next. A safe playground, because there's national standards for those now, was the same in one town as it is in another town, and it, or it should be, Right. And so when I got into animal, and I use that as an example because it's a safety example, or you would say mm-hmm. swimming pool. Or, so get, when I get into animal welfare, I was shocked at the lack of um, agreement on what success looks like for professional excellence. And so I told Amy Charlton, who, you know, also just referenced as a graduate of Southern Utah University, we started working together, best friends. I said, before I'm pushing up daisies, before I leave this world, <laughs> I, and I said that, I said these exact words, I said the whole daisies part. I said, I want to have, a, I want people to be able to major, to get a higher uh, level, higher learning education 
and animal services because it is a noble profession. And so, Amy, fast forward, Amy's sitting there, you're sitting there, Julie's giving her speech, two mm-hmm. weeks later we meet, and I remember how serious the four of us were. I was doing my best to be as professional as possible. <laughs> in that first and, meeting? And, <laughs> in the first meeting. After yeah. that, you know, gloves were off. The first meeting, I was very, very well behaved, and uh, I was trying not to smile because you could just feel the electricity and the magic. And I remember at the end, you said, I think, I think we can work together. <laughs> and I just wanted to like throw my headset off and dance around the room because it was uh, a really important time to me professionally and, and personally. Yeah, I was delighted at that first conversation. It was really, truly like all of the electricity, as you mentioned, came together, the connections were made, and we knew we were on to something. When, yeah. when was this happening? November? No, end of October. So homecoming was in, let's see, it would have been, it would have been the first part of October that we had this first meeting. One year ago. One year ago, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) You know. Isn't that fascinating? I don't know about the animal welfare industry, but the higher education world does not uh, get listed amongst the most um, quickly moving innovative organizations. (laughs) No. We tend to go. Yeah, no. We yeah. tend to go slow because we committee everything a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've told the joke about when our our current governor was here talking about higher ed. He he said that higher ed tends to move at the speed of peanut butter, and we said <laughs> that here at SUU we like to think that we're innovative enough that we move at the speed of warm peanut butter. But it is peanut butter, <laughs> nevertheless. Uh, yeah, but in if you can, ed. but if you can grease that peanut butter with a little bit of chocolate, that's right. <laughs> There you go. It was really fast yeah. then. This is but, our know, most peanut butter heavy podcast we've ever had. I can think I can say that it, safely It might now. be the peanut butter episode. It, it might be. Yep. This is going to be the peanut butter episode. But I, could, if I could offer, add something in um, that I think is important about culture, is not only did we make things happen fast, quickly, we, we did focus on quality, but something else happened. And I remember that meeting where the, the staff all came out to uh, – to best friends when we sat in the conference room with Julie mm-hmm. and um, some other best friends spoke. The thing that I remember the most, and I said this and I say it again, it still holds true. We found our tribe. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's people, you know, we're tribal. It's the primitive, it's the primitive notion that I think we have as humans that we, we look for our, our people, our people that we're comfortable with. And that can mean lots of things to different different things to different people but when it came to like the, the culture the warmth the hope the innovation it's like we we've known you for a long long time and finally became connected to each other and i felt that way about nice. every person with suu that i've met so far and that's why i'm a student there and that's where i, I love to teach there i mean that's how serious i feel about the culture at suu so well stated and articulated, and, and we certainly here at SUU feel the same way um, w- with the, the relationships that we have with you at Best Friends and the organization as well. Well, and I'm glad that the first contacts were with Melinda, because Melinda, you really embody that. <laughs> Thank you, President. Um, She's an amazing president. Let's, let's look at the last um, one year. What are the deliverables? You know, so oh, yeah. for a listener, what is... 
What are we talking about? Tani, do you want to rattle off our deliverables? Yeah, I'll start, and then you can fill in sure. um, what I what I what I maybe leave out or to do a better job than I. But well, the first thing that we listed off is the Executive Leadership Certification Program. This is a this is a certification program for top level directors and decision makers, deputies, you know, the, the highest level in animal services organizations, and that could be municipalities or nonprofits. Nonprofits often hold a contract for animal services in a city or a county, and sometimes they're regional centers. We could counties and cities combine. And the Executive Leadership Certification Program was something that I worked on closely with uh, Amy Charlton and Tina Overgaard, who were my teammates on that project. And we already had the, we already had it built out, the modules built out. We've been working hard on it, and we presented that to SUU, those modules and a syllabus, and that's what. Uh, you reviewed and approved, um, and that's how we how we got started. Mm-hmm. And the the other things, well, let's let's pause a minute because you were instrumental in helping us figure out how we were going to make that um, a value for students and make that accessible via SUU. Could you talk a little bit about the credits and the certificate piece? Yeah. Uh, so. What we alluded to earlier in the podcast is our professional development program is is unique here at Southern Utah U- University in that we see this as a place where you enter. If, if you're engaged in professional development, we agree to open doors of opportunity for you. And um, what that translates to is we create programs that allow for matriculation. So if a student participates in a best friend certificate program, we make sure that with our provost office, it meets the requirements of rigor and attendance and, and, and work that would represent and equivocate to an academic credit. And so when a, when a participant chooses to go this route, they can earn academic credits that can matriculate into bachelor and master's degree programs. So as we were building out the executive leadership certification program with best friends and, and Tani, as you said, you had that curriculum all in place. What we did is we just brought the curriculum into the university and said, okay, here's how we can package this and create the greatest opportunity for the student or the participant, that professional learner. And we were able to run uh, that curriculum through the provost's office, and they vetted it to equivocate to six academic credits if completed successfully. And so we were really excited with this first cohort to be able to share, if you complete the program successfully, not only do you earn your best friend certificate, but you have academic credits that you can leverage to complete your bachelor degree or to begin a master's degree program. And so that was really groundbreaking, and and I don't find that a lot in my contemporaries in, in higher education, um, whereas we see this as, as a really a door that opens the opportunity for anyone who wants to advance in, in their education goals. And so I know, Tani, when, when we presented that idea to you, you just lit up and it was exciting to see that I think you already had this in mind because now that I know that you had mentioned to Amy um, that you want to see a degree in higher education, this is really where we started to chisel out some of some of those pieces. Yep. 
And going back to that meeting in Canab, um, Melinda, mm-hmm. when you when you it was James Sage was there, Mindy Benson, mm-hmm. um, uh, Cynthia Davis. I don't want to leave anybody out. Um, there was somebody else there. Um, but we were sitting around the room, and you started talking about what could be. Yeah. Um, I did. I almost came out of my chair, and I almost came out of my chair <laughs> for professional reasons. But personally, I knew right then and there what, where I was going to school, and I acted on it. I, I think I'll hopefully graduate this 2021, and I and not, of course, bragging rights to have to have your master's degree makes anyone feel good, right? But yeah. I want to lead by example. If I'm going to be the director, if I'm going to be the national director of learning advancement, I want to lead by example. If I can do it, anybody can. And we are in the business of opening doors for people and 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 helping them um, achieve their goals. Because it's, it's also going to be creating a profession that's recognized. Because one thing I want to point out here, pets for, for years have been treated like a utilitarian um, need. Mm-hmm. It's like leaves, it's like leaves, snow, and trash. Make them go away. The shelters were built out by the town dump or by recycling centers years and years ago. When you think about your shelter, it's not, I'm talking about the old school ones, aren't very pretty. And now that it's evolved from a pound to a shelter to a resource center, it should be the hub of the community. It's, it's about community wellness. It's about so many things that are important to people and their lives and their families. And it's really a barometer, an indicator of our, uh, our humanity and our compassion. And so it just makes so much sense that it would be a profession that people can study and a discipline. In fact, it fits really well in, in, the, in MIS and in the uh, interdisciplinary studies program, which is another piece of what we listed up. Yeah. So moving on to our list of deliverables, we started with the executive learning certificate program. And then we started working on building an at-large certificate program because we were surprised by the demand that we had for that executive leadership um, certificate, which is really, Tani, you, you hand-select those individuals that get to participate in that program yes. um, nationally. And we yes. recognized that there were perhaps more individuals interested than we expected. So we went to work really quickly on creating this Principles of Contemporary Animal Services certificate that is more of an at-large program that anyone from anywhere um, can participate in online and has um, it, it does not have those in-person pieces. And so it's more accessible. We like to say you can you can enroll in the course and participate from your home or your office or your favorite hiking trail as long as you have internet access. This one is completely yes. online, right? Yes. Anywhere in the world, students can take it. That's correct. It is. And I had, um, what's really exciting um, to me is that Anybody at any other university can take any of these online programs if they recognize each other. If the if the credits and the the classes are recognized by the other university is transferable, because that's you know an important piece of the equation here. But SUU has created has made history because there's veterinarians. A lot of what we teach is not taught in vet school. They deal with other important thing to become a veterinarian mm-hmm. but the whole piece about 
animal services and animal shelters and pets in our society and the connectivity to social justice would really benefit them. And I think that because this is online, I'm hoping that we can uh, figure out how to make this open to people that are other learning institutions. They don't have to recreate the wheel. We've got it. We did it. And the, the focus class that you referenced a second ago, we're starting our second one in October. And I um, was the instructor for that course. And I had, uh, let's see, 20 students in the first course. Mm-hmm. And the feedback I got was so positive. They were saying things like, you've opened you've opened a door for me as this is a, as a profession. And they, they're hungry and they want to sign up for other classes and they want to learn more. And some of them came to the symposium. Okay, so that touches on our third deliverable, our Best Friends uh, Reaching New Heights Professional Development Symposium, which we just carried out last week. We did. And um, it was pretty exciting. Is it the metrics for it? We had, you know, it's our first time ever. And this was really born in the middle of COVID. But the middle of March, I was on an executive leadership certification cohort call. Amy Charlton and I. We're talking to them, and, and we said we called an emergency meeting on a Saturday. It was clear that travel was out of the question. And we let the cohort of the ELC decide whether they were going to go forward or cancel or postpone. And they all voted unanimously that they wanted to continue because they needed that learning community. They knew it was going to be really rough. And they, to their credit, they met every week, 90 minutes. They stayed in the ELC course. Some of them, it helped save their jobs when they were dealing with change, and change can be difficult, and not everybody embraces it. So some of them, the course and the community and the connectivity and the learning saved their jobs and kept, kept helped them keep their sanity when they were going through some very emotional times. And one of our directors was in Minneapolis where George, George Floyd had been murdered and killed, and her city was burning around her. She had to move her shelter twice, and she said that and she had stood up a foster program immediately and got all the animals out of the shelter, something that she resisted prior to the ELC. And she said because of that course, it changed her life, it changed her professionally. And that's just one example of others. And so it was a pretty powerful time period. And, and my point was, in the middle of it, I said, you know, we should do a symposium. The conference was canceled. Best friends decided early on, very rightly, sagely so, to cancel it. And I said, "What well, the learning's not going to stop. I mean, it reminds me, President, of your story of Sorrel and going up in the snow in the mountains. <laughs> we're in the That's middle right. of a global pandemic. Yeah. And we're like, we're not stopping. There is no stopping. <laughs> I baseball. love that. Well, it's these, it's these really difficult times that force us to think of new ways of doing things. And if we do it well, we have discovered something far better than what we were doing before. Hmm. And you look at a... You look at an online symposium, um, less expensive for the participants, uh, more convenient. We have found in our other things like this that we have far higher participation, which means that you actually reach out and uh, help more people, which results in um, a bigger impact. Absolutely. And for this, we were we made it like no other. We made it very dynamic and fast paced. We had three hundred and uh, about three hundred and three hundred and eighty folks sign up. We had 
290 participate, but here's here's the here's the kicker. We found out that people were watching the symposium with their teams and their colleagues in the animal shelters. So we have a survey now. We'll know by next week what our attendance is, but I actually queried some people I know that attended, and they're telling me sometimes they had 10, 15 people in the room. <laughs> so, That's great. So you, you do the math. <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm not trying to over, um, I don't want to inflate our numbers, but we, we simply want to have an accurate understanding of who benefited from the symposium. And that's super important for return on investment and impact. I think we're going to see well over a thousand, but we, you know, we'll report the number when we get it. I know that the, uh, the people that benefited and participated was far higher than who was actually logged in. And so that's important to know. And um, yeah, the symposium, we did, we did that from March when we first started talking to you, Melinda. Mm-hmm. University totally put their arms around it. And how many months is that? End of March. That's it's April, May, six, June, July. Close to yeah, six five, months. Six. Yeah. And um, it, it was big. And um, so, and the other initiative that I want, I'd be remiss in not saying something about, is the uh, Foundations of Contemporary Animal Services Leadership. It's a mouthful. We call it CASEL. And it is an emphasis of study in the in the inter, interdisciplinary studies master's program, the MIS program, ranked third in the nation. Um, and who I'm a candidate uh, for my master's degree in that program, and that just kicked off. Um, let's see, uh, last week I believe, no, two weeks ago. Amy Charlton is the professor, graduate of SUU again. Mention that that's noteworthy and. Um, that class is another history maker and another initiative that we've partnered together on. Yeah, we now have a master's degree option, emphasis of study here at SUU in animal services. So you can get a master's of integrated studies mm-hmm. or, and um, with an emphasis in a variety of things, but we have an emphasis in animal welfare. Yep. Yes, contemporary animal services, and it's It's all, and I do want to point something else out that's important for listeners. This isn't the world of putting the best friends in our learning, um, in our learning opportunities. We sample if it's a, if it's a study, if it's data, science-based, proven practice, we include it. So we are including things from the Humane Society of the United States, um, the ASPCA, uh, Maddie's Fund, National Animal Care and Control, Animal Farm Foundation, um, and there's other uh, Alley Cat Allies. There's other amazing organizations around the nation that are doing good work and and helping save pets, eliminate the unnecessary deaths or killing. And so our courses are chock full of studies and data from wherever we can get them. This is not a, uh, just a best friends philosophy. This is totally a professional excellence philosophy. Tani and Melinda, do you, um, I don't want to cut off this uh, discussion about deliverables because <laughs> we might not be done. <laughs> but, but we've been talking about another deliverable, which is the, uh, the master's degree. Right. And um, I have a question for you. How many people in the United States are employed in one way or another in animal welfare? Do you oh, have, boy. Do you have an idea of what that number is? No, I don't have an idea, but I can tell you um, 
I don't have an exact number, but I know it's in the thousands and thousands. So it'd be quite high. It's interesting that um, most communities have some kind of a shelter. And if you mm-hmm. if you times the number of communities in this country out, you're you're in a lot of thousands. Um, but oh, we, absolutely. But this is um, but but it's not really part of higher education. We we aren't training people for this particular industry very well. Have no, not, and if, even if you look at excuse me, I'm sorry, President. I was just going to mention if there's if there's three thousand counties approximately, and let's say they each have you know. Uh, five, 10 employees, depending on what number you want to use. And I know there's more, there's about, it's well over 4,000 organizations because a county may have a shelter, a city may have a shelter. And then there's nonprofits that are quite large that in the gap when counties and cities weren't doing very well, humane societies and SPCAs sprouted up all around the nation over the past 150 years. Well, and Tani... I have a brother. I have a brother-in-law that's head of this in San Antonio. Interesting. For the city of San Antonio, he's the. I think he's the director of their animal huh. services, and there are hundreds of employees in his department. Be sure to let him yeah. know we have a master's degree for him. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's 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 Heber, right? What's that? I'm sorry. It, it, I was just going to say what his name was. I know who he is. I think I've met with him before. So that's that's cool. Yeah, he's. Um, I think he has hundreds. Wow. It's a big operation. Yeah. Um, and I might have the number completely wrong, but San Antonio, Texas. And there's a lot no, of cities right. like that. I think I you're right. we did see uh, after the symposium, which just ended on Thursday of last week, we had so many inquiries come into the university about our programming um, because they had been introduced to SUU in this, this symposium. And we did have 380 and about 90 registered for the academic piece of the conference. And and as Tani mentioned with the watch parties, those numbers we know are larger, but we did have 390 students from across the nation earning a CEU and an institutional certificate through this academic symposium that we were able to offer. And in that symposium, Tani gave us the mic for a few minutes to be able to talk about these different programs that SUU is now housing um, that allow for learning and opportunity to grow and and to progress toward educational goals. And we have been fielding registrations over the last three business days. Um, I've, I've seen students register from Kentucky, Hawaii, Texas, um, Massachusetts. And so we're seeing and I think it's representative of this national population of animal services workers, students signing up, becoming T-Birds to participate in these best friends partnership programs where they are earning credits and beginning to work toward degrees in this area. And I just get so excited about that. Every time I see a registration come through, I dig into the file to find out where it came from because we're seeing them come in from so many different parts of the country. Yes. Well, and Tani, I think my brother-in-law isn't the absolute head, but he's in the leadership team. In San I think I, I'm sure I've met him. I was the director in Austin for two years, and we, we like to work collaboratively. Um, that's one of the keys to doing well in animal services is not 
um, being alone and not going it alone because not one organization can do this by themselves. It's definitely um, innovation and learning and collaboration. And so uh, super important piece. But I just looked at our life-saving dashboard. We have uh, 16,000 communities that we're tracking data-wise, hmm. 16K. So, yes, that's a lot of people that would be interested in pursuing uh, learning opportunities. And we talked about what we stood up. Some of the things that we're looking to the future for is a management and learning certificate for mid-level managers, supervisors, coordinators. We hope you have that up in 2021 early. And then for every one dog that's killed in a shelter, two cats are losing their lives unnecessarily. So we're working on a cat um, life-saving certification. And that'll be um, something we lean into with SUU as well. Have we gotten through all the deliverables? Well, I think, think Tani just mentioned those that we're beginning mm-hmm. now to work on. I have some numbers. Do you really? I'd like to share. Yeah. They're exciting numbers. So again, we, we started rolling out programming January. So in our first nine months, we've had over 100 participants in, in four credit programs um, designed with best friends that offer credits that matriculate into either bachelor or master de- master's degree programs. Seven of those um, students have declared a major and have matriculated their credits. So they're well into, into the path of, of earning their degree. And we have um, 30 who have applied for this upcoming October 5th Principles of Contemporary Animal Services cohort. And um, just like I said, in the last three business days, I've fielded 23 um, contacts from different parts of the country asking how to become an SUU student and (laughs) and earn this type of programming. So we're just, Tony, aren't we just so excited about that? I mean, that's evidence that this is needed. It's working. It's it's wanted. and, And it's just so exciting. You know, I had it a, is exciting. I'm sorry, Tony, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I just was going to say that I think my smile muscles were going to like have cramps. <laughs> I'm so happy. I had a hand in, in the creation of the MIS degree. And uh, when we when we brought that forward, the R401, I had a number of people ask me, uh, aren't, aren't master's degrees supposed to get narrower and narrower? Why are you creating this interdisciplinary degree? That seems counterintuitive oh. to us. And I said, you know, master's degrees should be about helping you in your uh, work. And what what so many people find is that that uh, what they may have learned in their undergraduate degree may have uh, prepared them for a, a certain element of what they do, but that they grow up to become business people or they grow up to become uh, uh, an, an owner of some kind of a thing where they end up working in HR and, and writing grants and all sorts of other things that they weren't they didn't prepared expect. for. Right. And so the MIS degree part of this is very exciting to me because because having, having these uh, three nine-hour uh, credit pods mm-hmm. that you can sort of uh, be involved with, having, having a best friend's pod and then being able to choose business management or being able to choose communication or being able to choose one of the others – Hopefully, this this will be very, very attractive to people who are working in this industry and find that that at the undergraduate level, they may have gotten 
certain elements of what they needed, but they didn't get everything they needed. And and so I I love the idea that uh, I, I mean. If you would have asked me if we would have had a partnership with Best Friends when I wrote this, I would have said no. <laughs> you wouldn't I, have seen that I, coming. I wouldn't have seen that yeah. coming. But I love the fact that this is so modular and so flexible. It's, and it's really working. Great. It is. It's yeah. working. Well, some master's degrees um, are focusing a student into a particular area of research That's or right. study. Sure. And so they would become increasingly narrow. And other master's degrees, as you described, are preparing students for a wide range of things. Yep. Um, which is the opposite of narrow. And it was really neat. And and I know Tani feels the same because we've talked about this, but at the academic symposium last week, we featured abstracts from researchers in animal services. And we are beginning to now foster a community of research in animal services that hasn't necessarily existed before. And And I know that we're just really excited to see these academic pieces building and beginning to gel the and and see people have interest and excited about advancing the field of animal services in an academic way. That's a really good point. Um, I think that was a game changer when we decided to include research. And I think, you know, we have to, we're going to sit back and evaluate the symposium as a team. Um, and when I say team, I'm, I mean, SUU and best friends, the folks that worked on it, We'll look at our metrics. We'll look on the return on investment for impacts and reduction of killing and, and look at the numbers for SUU and all the work that went into it. And if, if we do it again, and I hope we do, I think research is probably going to be a pretty big focus. And I think it's important because when I first got into the field from parks, first thing I did is research because I didn't want to go with anecdotes and people's opinions. We were guessing on breeds and putting it on the kennel card which is unethical, in my opinion, to tell somebody that's a border collie and we have no clue what that dog is. And we were guess- we were making kind of just kind of feel our pants decisions, nothing based on facts. And so the research, you know, knowledge sets us free. Knowledge opens doors. And I think it's going to be the underpinning of, of the relationship with SUU and, and, and animal services as a profession. Factual, science-based, decision-making, and also tied to uh, wellness and social justice. So if we do it again, I think research, in my opinion, because I'm just one of a, of a team, I think it, it should be big. People are hungry for it. Ultimately, the outcome of this is better trained people working in the industry, better organizations, because there's better trained people working in those organizations, and all of the goals um, Tani, that Best Friends has, and we could talk quite a bit about that. But um, I'd like to ask this question in terms of the innovation that's been happening, and that is, uh, it's actually two questions, and the one is, what have you learned that other innovators of these kinds of programs, programs between industry and higher education, what have you learned that could help them if they're trying to do something similar. And it may have nothing to do with animal welfare. It Mm -hmm. might just be anything. What are the lessons learned for innovation? Uh, um, I'm sorry, if I just offer a couple thoughts. Absolutely. Go ahead and then I'll add mine. I think that my advice to somebody is look at what can be better 
because you don't want to change just for the sake of change. But what is the problem we're trying to solve for? What is the the need? Um, what is the wicked wicked problem? Wicked solutions? I love that that um, that notion. So you, you you find something that needs to be better, whatever it is, public health, could be a social justice issue, could be around education, could be around equality, psychology. So what is it we want to solve for? What do we want to know more about? But I think more importantly, then we need to look at one thing I thought about a lot in developing these programs is just how we've changed since 2006 to 2009. What's happened with internet, what's happened with cell phones, what's happened with our world and our lives and how we learn, how we're inundated with stimuli. That's going to inform how you uh, interact with people. We've got to meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. And and also the education is reciprocal. It's a learning process. It's not one way. And the last thing I would offer is to be innovative. I mean, we could have crawled, crawled, crawled up into a little ball in a corner when COVID hit and been motivated from fear and not taking risks because what if we fell on our butt? Well, we had a CEO because of her shaping her formative years and shaping an SUU that's bold and courageous. Mm-hmm. And we have a culture in our organization that we, we are not, we're, we run into the burning building. We do not run away from it. And, and I'm talking about service, not literally. I probably wouldn't run away from a burning building. But, <laughs> Thank you. Good to we know. Got, we got the metaphor. We got it. <laughs> I, I, I figured you did, but I didn't want to listen to it. <laughs> but we, to be courageous and be bold and be positive risk taking risk takers, but in a strategic way, right? We were we were very careful and thoughtful. So mm-hmm. I didn't offer that very neatly. I apologize, but that's what I, my thoughts are. My advice for others. No, that that's that's great. It's, it very well sets up what my thoughts in response to President's question were: is we have not been afraid to innovate in real time, and. In, in you mentioned this earlier, President, in the culture of higher education, that is not necessarily a popular mindset. Right. But we have, because of COVID-19, I think we have had opportunities and really a necessity to innovate in real time and provide and create solutions. And it's taught me in my work with professional development that it's possible, that it is possible to innovate in real time and that campus partners are willing to step up and say, yes, we recognize a need. Let's think outside of the box. And I've really appreciated that support. The other piece is I run into a trend of fear, I guess I'm going to say, and I hate fear-based communication, but there is a fear that working adults are, are facing right now. And as the education Uh, excuse me, as the workforce ages, older workers and older professionals who earned their bachelor's degree even 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago are recognizing that we're having to work longer. We're having to work older in our lives than we may be expected to. And so how do we stay relevant? How do we stay competitive with younger talent, younger graduates? And as we have stood up professional development programs and Best Friends has given us the opportunity to identify different types of certificates and an emphasis in a master's degree or a way to matriculate credits into a bachelor's degree. Um, it's, it's given us the opportunity to create a menu of solutions. And these working professionals who are, have been in their careers for a minute are able to say, it's not too late for us. 
okay, I can see how this can help me earn a credential. I can earn a certificate now through SUU that I can frame and hang on my wall and it shows I'm staying active in my profession. And I think for other universities, as you asked, something I've learned is the workforce is wanting this, they're needing this, they're afraid they're going to become irrelevant or lose a competitive edge. But this ongoing professional learning is filling in a gap in our nation. Um, We're providing a way for people to stay relevant and, and engaged and to keep learning and that it's not too late, ever too late, um, to come back to education and to open a door of opportunity for yourself. Let me throw out a few thoughts that I think that um, I've heard from the two of you mm-hmm. that are important. And some of our listeners um, are interested in innovation, and this really isn't strictly about innovation, but but two organizations innovating together. Mm. And um, it seems what I've heard, one of the really important pieces of this is that the two organizations have to have relatively similar values. We've, Steve, we've tried innovating in the past at Southern Utah University with organizations that when we found out that the values really are different, it it hasn't worked so well. So so just a really simple explanation of that, a nonprofit partnering with a profit organization. If the profit organization is overly interested in profit, then there might be values that don't work. That's right. Be- because there's, they're pulling, tugging, tugging and pulling. So that's, that's one kind of an example. Uh, um, the values have got to be similar enough, the goals, the mission of the organizations. A second one is it's got to be people. The, the fact, Tani, that uh, you and Melinda um, connected so easily Mm-hmm. where the two of you wanted each other to be successful and were trying to promote each other and promoting each other's organizations. The, it feels like in order for organizations to be able to collaborate together, each one has to be able to say, we want the other organization to be successful and we're willing to give up something or do a little extra. This is no different than coming together as partners in, for life, you know, mm, yeah. that right. um, if it's, if I'm going to be, if I get married to somebody and I think this is a purely 50-50 deal, then it's probably not going to work because <laughs> it never feels like 50-50. And maybe a third one is, is that the organizations have to have, um, the people in the organizations have to have this culture that allows for trials and failure and support and encouragement so that um, those that are working on the innovation aren't constantly stressed with, what if this doesn't work, then I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. And while you, were yeah. th- while you were speaking, President, I remember Melinda doing those types of things. Like when we were trying to you know, problem solve and everything from from price to structure to timing to you name it, all the little, the, the micro and even macro decisions, there was that give and take and just that, I call it grace and respect. Um, there's just, there was that mutual understanding and we wanted, each of us wanted us to 
be successful separately mm-hmm. and together. Don't you think, I can think of yeah. so many examples, particularly from you, Melinda. Oh, well, I'm thinking of all the examples from you. We, we really, it, there <laughs> has been a give and take. And, and I think you nailed it with mutual respect and, and wanting yeah. this to be successful and, and giving each other some leverage to be able to, it, that comes with the being able to be successful in innovation, um, to be able to make mistakes and to pick each other back up and to redirect and refocus. Um, We're we very lucky to have that collaboration. I remember, Tani, you brought up that uh, first meeting that we had in person in, in Canab. And I remember our Vice President Stuart Jones and Julie Castle, your CEO, were there and they're old friends. I think Julie worked for uh, Stuart Jones when she was a student on campus. And I remember when we were sitting around that table in your boardroom, them saying to each other and then to us, this partnership is bigger than those of us sitting at this table today. We need to sign the papers and get out of the way. And I, and I, th- I remember that and I think about it often because in part of innovating and in part of giving and taking and making some sacrifices, it comes down to that thinking of the animal services worker in some corner of some community in some state in the, in the United States or any other part of the world needing help to be successful in the work that they are doing to try to be the best professional that they can be. That's what this work is about. And that's what I interpreted them saying that day, is this is bigger than all of us. We're representing individuals in so many areas and parts of the world. It's easy to give and take and to make a sacrifice or to work an extra hour or two um, in an evening mm-hmm. to make make or s- achieve a, a goal or a deadline um, is remembering those people and and working for them. And I think that's something that mutually we are both working to accomplish is representing your constituency um, with integrity. Well said, my friend. <laughs> trust is trust is important, and and it was. Uh, hugely helpful in this partnership that that your CEO Tani Julie Castle had been a student here and uh, not just a student student buddy president <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and when you talked about Stuart and Julie together it, I had this little fun little image pop up in my head because yeah. you know Stuart comes from a long 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 line of uh, sheep ranchers. I didn't know that about Stuart. So his uh, his family has a sheep ranch, and Stuart said that um, he ran away from that as fast as he could go. <laughs> but he must still have a soft spot. <laughs> but um, anyway, it's, that's kind of an interesting. That's fun. Yeah. Well, how? Here's my last question. Unless there's something I've forgotten, Steve or Donnie or. No, I I think we're ready. Okay. I, Let's hear it. My last question is, how is Best Friends better and how is uh, Southern Utah University better because of this partnership? Oh, wow. Hmm. Who want you? You want to go first, Monday? or you want me to go? Well, yeah. I mean, something that pops into my mind right away is that we're recognizing that there's a need that maybe we were not so much aware of before. And, and I, I touched on this already, but people in the workforce recognizing they're going to need to stay relevant um, longer in their careers than maybe they had originally expected and they need 
education after they come for that first initial bachelor's degree in their 20s, um, keeping them engaged and feeling proud about their effort to learn and to continue in their careers and to stay competitive. Um, I think this partnership has opened our eyes to that because academic options have not been so much available um, in animal services previously. These are not young participants that we're talking about and that we're providing opportunities for and the gratitude that we're seeing them come with for the opportunity to hang an SUU certificate with an embossed foil seal on on their wall for accomplishing um, a program with an accredited higher education, that has been eye-opening. And I think SUU will be better for, for this opportunity with Best Friends because we've learned this about not only our community, not only our region, but our country. And, and that's important to know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good, good thought, Melinda. I think how's best friends better because of this? I think that what our work with SUU has allowed and how that's made us better as an organization is we're able to fulfill that goal of um, being a learning and leading organization and ending the killing of pets in our nation. It's given us a prestigious partner, an academic partner, a very logical partner. When you look at geography and you look at your, your uh, alumni or the alum, alumni, the two alumni that are involved in the story that we told today, there's a lot of reasons that this made sense and was perfect partnership. Um, but just because just because the alumni were involved, if the culture didn't work and that magic and electricity wasn't there, it, it wouldn't have happened. A lot of things, like opening a combination lock, turning the tumblers and the dial, <laughs> everything lined up. Everything lined up to make sense, and it improved us in our and I think in our credibility and the seriousness where we put our money where our mouth was and. We, we are walking our talk. We're not just challenging communities to stop the killing of pets. We're not just encouraging them to. We're not just suggesting. We are, we are providing the learning, the change of behaviors, the information, habits, skills, knowledge necessary to do so. Well said. There's um, one way of teaching something is to develop the interest. And another one is to tell you how to do it. And sometimes we spend, in the world, uh, we spend too much time providing motivation and not enough time hmm. with the actual teaching and if of how. And too much emphasis on the motivation and the reason and the why without an adequate amount of specific instruction on how to do it leads to um, discouragement because we know what we want to do even more than we ever did before but we still don't know how to do it <laughs> <laughs> or how to and and you know it's a the animal welfare is a really broad topic and it's um, anyway this has been a fun uh, conversation I thoroughly enjoyed and uh, Tanya, I can't wait till the next time I'm in Michigan. <laughs> get out on the lake. Yeah, I can't wait either. I'm going to get you 
in a kayak or we have a family business here. We have an outfitters that my brother runs for the family and we do tours and trips and kayaks. <laughs> Beautiful. I'll get you in a kayak or on a bike get you out on the trails because I know how active you are. You'll probably go run a hundred miles somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but if I can do that in a kayak, that would be more enjoyable. <laughs> well, you could, you're always welcome here. Always. <laughs> Thank you so very much to both of you. You bet. Thanks for having us. Thanks for giving us an opportunity to sit down for an hour. Like I said, we are innovating in real time, so we're busy. We appreciate this opportunity. You've been listening to Solutions for Higher Education, a podcast featuring Scott L. Wyatt, the president of Southern Utah University in Cedar City, Utah. We've had as our guests, Tawny Hammond, who joined us from her home in Traverse City, Michigan, on the phone, and Melinda Thorpe. Both Melinda and Tawny have been uh, the key participants, uh, among many others, in our Best Friends Partnership, and we appreciate them for being such passionate advocates on behalf of our students and on behalf of our animal friends. And we appreciate you for listening, our devoted listeners. We will be back again with another podcast soon, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Solutions for Higher Education. To subscribe to this podcast, please visit www.suu.edu forward slash President's Podcast, where you will find both the audio and a written transcript of today's podcast. The original music for this podcast was composed by Jack Barton, a master's degree student in music technology at SUU. For more information about Southern Utah University, please visit www.suu.edu.